Welcome to the ninth episode of iPhone Life Podcasts. I'm David Averbach, CEO and publisher of iPhone Life Magazine. I'm Donna Cleveland, editor-in-chief of iPhone Life Magazine. And I'm Noah Simpson, the COO of iPhone Life Magazine. We got an extra special show for you today because this is our first podcast without Sarah Kingsbury. We're all very excited. No. Poor Sarah. No, we're going to miss her, but we're going we're gonna to make do. Uh, this show, we're going to talk about fitness trackers. Uh, Donna has been walking around the office with three fitness trackers on for the last few months, and she's going to share her experiences, and I'm going to share how funny it was to see her wearing three fitness trackers the whole time. <laughs> yeah, no one shied away from making fun of me for that. We, we usually don't hold back. Um, we also, of course, are going to talk about our favorite apps. We got our apps of the week, and this, this week we all did it, so that was a win. Uh, before we get started, though, let me take a minute to tell you about the iPhone Life tip of the day. Uh, every day, we email you a cool thing you can do with your iPhone, your iPad, something, a tip, a trick, something you didn't know you could do. Uh, so go to iphonelife.com daily tip to sign up. It's 100% free, so there's no reason not to. Uh, Donna, I usually ask Sarah, but I'm going to ask you, what was your favorite tip from this last week? Well, I recently got the iPhone 6S, and I noticed that it was kind of hard to use the 3D touch feature for me personally. Like, I was pressing and nothing was mm -hmm. happening. So a tip that came out this week that helped me was how to adjust the sensitivity of that. So you can go into settings, accessibility, oh, sorry, settings, general, accessibility, and then 3D touch. And there you can scale it to light, medium, or firm, how, far, how hard you want to press in order to activate 3D touch. So I moved mine from medium to light. Ah, do you find, I, I find that normally I don't have a problem with 3D touch except for on like the corner. You know how like if you tap on the left hand, you 3D touch on the left hand side, it brings up multitask. Do you have a problem with that one? I still haven't really gotten the hang of that. I don't use it that much because I'm always kind of like pressing in the corner and- Yeah. yeah. I. I don't use it that much either um, because of that. It's a hassle. So are you now, now that we're a few weeks in, and I know you're writing for the magazine this, this month, you're writing uh, your review of the iPhone success, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, are, are, have you been using 3D Touch? I have, but not for the things I thought I would, I guess. Um, I feel like for the app, app icons that you 3D touch, that's not as useful as I thought it would be. Although like most at this point, most third party apps, that's the main thing they've incorporated. Mm -hmm. Like you can just press harder on the app icon and you'll have some extra options. But then there've been other things like being able to press a little harder on a number and then you have the option to either like message or go to that contact or call or you just get more options than you used to. Mm -hmm. Just kind of like the little things are more useful. So but... you've been using kind of shortcuts within the app but haven't been using kind of the shortcuts from the home screen? Yeah, exactly. I think I've been doing the same thing. Um, I don't think I've been using it as much as I thought I would, which I'm, I'm sad about because I was excited at, about it. But it's, it's the, the problem with it is exactly what I thought the problem would be, which is that I always forget when I can when I can 3D touch and what it does. And so I find myself just kind of reverting back to my old behaviors. Yeah, I feel like it's the little things. It's like the subtle, the subtle changes that are nice that that you do without meaning to when mm -hmm. you're not even like, oh, I'm going to try 3D touching this. Yeah, um, yeah. One thing that is kind of weird, too, I don't know if you tried when you want to delete an app. 
Now it's like if you you have to press your finger really lightly and hold it on an app screen and then the app icons start jiggling, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you press too hard, if you press too hard, you can't do that. So at first I'm like, how do I delete an app? I've had the same problem with copy and paste. It's like copy and paste now is not a 3D touch motion. It's like a normal touch motion. Mm -hmm. And I keep like pushing too hard and then having to like lightly hold for copy and paste. Yeah, it's weird. You have to have a lot of like nuance now with how. (laughs) (laughs) You, you You have to put more thought into it. The other thing, do you guys have iPads? I can't remember now. Yes. I don't. What are your thoughts with the new, like, on iPads, when you're typing, you can, like, if you drag your fingers, you can highlight? Have you tried this yet? Mm, I haven't yet. Okay, because I've tried it, and I've kind of liked it, but I find that, and this this is not a humble brag, I swear, but I've been typing too fast, and so, like, my fingers are... T- <laughs> they always make fun of me for, apparently, I, I humble brag, but I just think I'm being humble, so I don't know. <laughs> But I, I like I guess my fingers are tapping at the same time, and so I'm trying to do like uh, like a smiley face, and instead I end up highlighting a sentence. Uh, so I haven't been crazy about that either. Well, is this the same feature with your iPhone? You can if you press on the keyboard, then it'll gray out, and you can go select text. Yeah, but with your iPhone, it's a 3D touch feature. Right. But with my iPad, it's not 3D touch. It's like you can do it, but you have to like you can drag your fingers like. Uh, separately and it'll like highlight a sentence for you. I don't know how to describe that on a podcast, but you guys will have to experiment until you figure that out. Um, Anyway, it's, I haven't been as crazy about that feature. I, 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 in general, I do actually really like on the iPhone, the 3D touch, being able to like highlight the, or like drag the cursor to the right part of the sentence. That's one of the things I've been using 3D touch the most for. How about you? Mm, I haven't used that as much. I should... Give it a try, I guess. Noah is being suspiciously silent because he has not yet upgraded to the success. I love my six, and I don't need that S. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you? Yeah, are you not? You're not planning on upgrading. You're not. Uh, it I'm wasn't not impressive on, enough for you. Yeah, it wasn't pre- impressive enough for me to to do the upgrade. And and I've had a pretty steady history of doing every other phone anyway. Um, but yeah, there was nothing that jumped out at me as being really critical. Okay. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, we did. The, the podcast we did a while back, the uh, Should You Upgrade, I, David versus Sarah, I, I was advocating to upgrade. I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and been like, you know what? I think Sarah was right. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm like, thanks, guys. <laughs> I had some people tell me that I was right, so I don't think I totally lost that debate, but it was, it, it was, it was, a, controversial, it was a controversial topic, let's right. say that. Um, so let's get into it. Uh, we like to start our show each week by writing, by reading out some letters from insiders and answering them. So if you haven't heard of the insider yet, you haven't been listening to me, so I'm going to tell you, uh, iPhone life insider is our premium subscription. It's, it's the best subscription that we have. You have, you get daily video tips. So every day we're going to email you a video tip. You get uh, in-depth guides. So Donna, what's what's the next in-depth guide that's coming out? It's going to be the guide to iOS 9. Okay, so that one should be really exciting with all the stuff, that, all these changes to iOS 9. So coming out soon, guide to iOS 9, and we just released guide to iCloud backup, correct? Yes, we did. I feel like that's the feature we get the most questions about. People still just get confused about iCloud, even though it's been around for a while. So um, this just walks you through all the steps of 
backing up your iPhone, syncing, when you get a new iPhone, switching to your new phone, all that. So Okay. So in addition to in-depth guides, you get a, a digital subscription to the magazine and you get to ask the editor. So you get to email us questions and we'll email you back an answer. Uh, and so we're going to read a couple of those. And I actually, because Sarah's out sick, I actually went and answered some of these. And you guys had great questions. So question number one comes from Albert. Albert says, emails appear on my MacBook, my iPad, and my iPhone 6S. When I delete an email from my MacBook, it automatically deletes from the iPad also. But the emails on the iPhone uh, in half... Okay, well... Now that I'm reading it, 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 it let, let me let me say what he meant to say, which is that they are not <laughs> deleting from the iPhone. So he's deleting his emails on his MacBook, and he opens up his iPad, and those emails are gone. He opens up his iPhone, and the emails are still there. And so he said, what is happening here? So I did some research, and it sounds like what's happening is he has a Pop account set up on his iPhone and an iMap account set up on his iPad. Noah, you've claimed to be the world's foremost expert on Pop and IMAP. Do you want to explain to us the difference? <laughs> uh, definitely not the uh, foremost expert, but um, certainly have a lot of experience with it. Um, and Pop is really the old standard. So mm -hmm. when email first started, everybody got a Pop account. Uh, and the basic function was your email was sent to a server somewhere. You know, it was Yahoo or whatever. Uh, it was sent to a Yahoo server, <clears throat> and then you used your computer to ask for those emails periodically and say, hey, give me my emails from that server. Uh, and it would then take them off of that server and give them to you, or after a period of time, it would be deleted from that server, and that way those servers didn't get overloaded. Uh, but functionally, what ended up happening was that you took control of that information. You had it on your computer. Uh, and you were in control of that information. Now, when people started using home computers and work computers and more mobile devices, what ended up happening was the POP system broke down because you'd download your emails at home and then you'd go to work and they wouldn't be there for you and you wanted to read that email and it wasn't. And then people started extending the amount of time that they would look at their, um, or that they would keep them on the server. And ultimately, the IMAP system came out saying, okay, what people really want is they want to be able to always access the same information no matter which device they're using. And so fundamentally, the control went to the server and the server always hosted then the most accurate information. And each device just sort of checked in or synced with the server to see what was happening. So anytime you send an email now, it goes to the person you're sending it to, but a message also goes to your server saying, hey, I sent this message and it stores it on your server as well. So basically, as I understand it, uh, pop, the, the POP system of email stores all your emails locally, whereas IMAP stores them in the server. Is that correct? Yes. And basically, any function you do, you send an email, you make a draft, you receive an email, you mark it as read, you mark it as not read. In the IMAP system, all of that information is communicated back to the server, and it tracks all of that information. Mm -hmm. If you have POP, it doesn't track that information. You read it, you send another message, you do something else. Um, and unless you've configured your system, you know, your preferences in a, in a janky way to do some of those things, then that information will not be communicated back to your server. So none of your other devices will know. So basically, 
nobody should be using pop anymore, yeah. correct? Like, there's pop no, sounds very old school. It's old school, and there, there's no reason to be using it, the correct? The advantage of pop is for the person that's hosting that server because it doesn't have to store as much information. And really, mm -hmm. that's it. So it's a server advantage, not a user advantage. Okay. Yeah, and I, when I did some research, I found a website that was dedicated solely to telling people to stop using pop and start <laughs> using IMAP. And they literally said, the, the, the header said, pop is bad, IMAP is good, and then the subheader was, how to email in the 21st century. <laughs> <laughs> but is it always a choice? I feel like when I've set up mail accounts, usually you have to do pop or IMAP. Yeah, well, and uh, what's happening more and more uh, is that they're taking the choice away from people when you use a default or like a like a help me set this up type of wizard. Right, know, it usually system. chooses for you. It'll choose the IMAP system for you. And almost every email service, there was a time when, you know, email services only provided POP and they didn't provide IMAP. And almost every service will default to an IMAP setting. And I'm some of them, I'm not even sure, will allow you to use POP. I'm not even sure if iCloud allows you to use POP. Yeah, so it, it, exactly this. In 2008, when the iPhone first came out, uh, people weren't used, they still were transitioning to, into the concept of email being across all your computers. And so there were quite a few email servers that use POP. Uh, and actually, when I did research, this person who emailed us, uh, Albert, was using Earthlink. And when I went and started looking into like how Earthlink instructed people to set up their iPhone, their default instruction page still instructed people to do I to do pop. Mm. Um, so that was kind of into the 2008. Uh, and then eventually now, I think very few email service providers are still, uh, most of them probably support pop, but everybody has an IMAP because it really is the way most people want to do it. It is the future. Or it's not even the future anymore. It's like <laughs> 2010. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can our insider change his account to IMAP then? Or I, yes. So Earthlink does support IMAP, and I sent. I had to go dig up instructions for it and send it to him. But he's yet to email me a confirmation that it worked. We will see. Uh, and one thing you can do too, if you want to see, you know, if you've set it up and you're not sure, are you on IMAP? Are you on Pop? If you go into your settings, you go into Mail, and you click on the account. Uh, in the kind of top left corner-ish, in, in gray, it'll say how you set it up. So it'll either say IMAP or POP. If you use Gmail or you used Yahoo and you set it up as Yahoo, you can assume it's going to work correctly. So really, the only way to set it up with POP or IMAP at this point is when you go to set up a new account, it gives you default options like iCloud, Gmail, and Yahoo. But underneath that, there's an other. And that's how you would kind of get into this complicated mess. Uh, yeah, or if you upgraded year after year after year yeah. and never changed that account, which may be what he's done. I'm assuming that's exactly what happened. And that's one of the interesting things about about this is with iPhones, they've done a really great job of backing up all your settings and importing them to your next phone. But sometimes that means you could have messed up a setting in 2009, and that mm -hmm. just has been transitioned to every new phone since then. Yeah, definitely true. Certainly something I've experienced in other areas. <laughs> just some legacy thing that's carried over from the first iPhone that I purchased exactly. um, all the way to now. Exactly. You know? And at some point, it's probably worth just doing a hard reset on all your settings mm -hmm. to make sure you haven't done something weird like that that's messing you up. Of course, then you have to go redo all your settings, so you lose the legacy, but yeah. it's an interesting one. That said, I'm going to bring up something else that came up in a different uh, Ask an Editor question, and that is everyone should know that Apple technicians have a way to 
clear some of the bugs within your system. Mm. Like you can go reset your data and then you reinstall from iCloud, but that can bring back with it some bugs from your oh. your backup. Your backup can have some misconfiguration within it. Um, so people should know that if you go to an Apple store and talk to a genius or if you call up Apple tech support, they have an ability to go in and look at the history of your iCloud backup account and identify if you've had some technical glitches within your backup history and they can clear some of those out. Uh, and that solved a couple of problems for me uh, this year. Okay, yeah. good That's to cool. know, good to know. So next question came from Bridget and Bridget says, I have an iPhone 6 and an iPad Air. Both have the latest download of iOS. So I think uh, actually though, she said, it turns out, and we'll get into it in a minute, she was on iOS 9, not 9.1, and that's going to become important. Uh, my question, foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> my question has to do with the following picture, and she attached a picture. It's okay. Don't worry about the picture. As, as you can see from the first entry and third entry are the same person. One is Hotmail, and one has Hotomail. So basically what's happening to her, I'll, I'll kind of skip to, the, to what the real problem is, uh, she at one point emailed somebody but typoed their email address. And now every time she goes to email somebody, that it comes up and it recommends that as an email address. And so she's trying, and then she has like two of them. One is Hotomail and one is Hotmail. Of course, she wants to email Hotmail, the person at Hotmail. But every time it went from being a shortcut, convenient iPhone feature to having to like skim for typos to make sure. So she wants to know, how do you get rid of this? Um, so, in iOS 8, they had a feature, and in I, it, when they upgraded, they had a feature to let you get rid of this, and I'll walk you through how it works. They upgraded iOS 9, they got rid of it, and then 9.1, they brought it back. Mm. So, if you're on iOS 9, I'm going to have to tell you a workaround for this, although the best workaround is just to upgrade. But let me, for the rest of you who are either on iOS 8 or on um, iOS 9.1, how it works is if you go and you compose a message, you start typing an email address, you'll see next to the email addresses, there's a little eye, blue eye with a circle. If you tap on that blue eye with a circle, there's a remove from recents button. It's in red all the way at the bottom. Ooh. I know, this was a good <laughs> tip, right? I didn't know this. Tip. I, I, I didn't know either of these things. I had to learn about IMAP and POP and I had to learn about this. So it's been fun answering the questions. Yeah. Um, so this is a really good one to clear out whenever you see some weird typoed email in there to clear it out. Uh, now on 9.0, it's not there. Mm. So first of all, just go upgrade to 9.1 because there's really no reason not to. But it leads me to a different thing, which is if you're on mail, if you're using mail, you can actually from your computer go and delete this person and then it'll sync to your iPhone. So that's a workaround if for some reason you hate unicorn emojis or something yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have another workaround also that doesn't involve your computer. Okay. And that is, although counterintuitive, add the wrong address to your address book. Yeah. It then converts it from a recent memory to an actual contact. Mm -hmm. Then if you delete it, it also deletes it from that recent memory. Well, okay, so let me, let me talk about this because this is another part. When you, if you type in an email address, you're only going to see the blue eye next to people who are not in your contact books. Right. So if somehow somebody gets added to your contacts, and my understanding is with iOS 9, 
people automatically can get added to your contacts now, right? Like it's like adding people when you're emailing them. Ooh, I don't know that answer. Okay, I don't know either. Yeah, I, I didn't think that was true, but... I'll I feel like it is, because I have so many people in my contacts, and I'm not deliberately adding them. So I feel uh, like somehow they're getting added in there. I don't know. We need it to get sounds to like the it's going to piss people off next, if that's true. It, well, it's weird. Yeah. Um, and so what you can do then, if you don't see a blue circle, what that means is they're probably a contact. And so then you have to go into your contacts, and I'm sure there's a better way to do it, but I just go into phone and then go to contacts. Uh, and then you can delete it. There is a contacts app. I thought so. Yeah, yeah, I knew I was going to get called out from this. <laughs> <laughs> this is the problem with like getting on a podcast and pretending to be an expert in something. There's all the other real experts call me out. <laughs> um, let me ask you, actually, because I've been having a lot of trouble with this. This is tangent here. I have several groups for my contacts. Ooh, groups. Yeah. Groups. Yeah. Oh my God. Apple, please, please, please fix the groups. Thank you. Because here's what's happening to me. It's a <clears throat> it's a nightmare. <laughs> it's an absolute nightmare. And 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 to me, it's one of the most egregious, ridiculous things that Apple has not addressed in the whole history of the iPhone. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you what's happening to me, but I want to hear about all your complaints about groups. Oh, yes. Go for it. Go for <laughs> it. So what's happening to me is I have my iCloud group, which is like my deliberate contacts. I add their phone number in. It's people who I like know when I call. And then I have like my iPhone life contacts, which get automatically added and I don't know how. And I have Gmail, which automatically adds contacts. I have like Facebook automatically adds contacts. So really what I want to do is I want to only view my iCloud contacts so that when I'm looking for someone's phone number, it's only showing me those people. Well, you can do that by if you go into your phone app, you hit groups in the top left corner, and you can select only view one. But for some reason, it keeps resetting on me. And I don't know why. I can't figure out why. But not, like, I'll open it a day later, and all those people will have shown up again. Mm. I don't know about the default setting of if it defaults back to showing you all contacts. Uh, but it's good to note that you're talking about two different things. Okay. <laughs> one is you're talking about contacts as they relate to a email provider. Uh-huh. And that is one segmentation of your yes, contacts. Yes. And so your iCloud contacts are different than your Gmail contacts. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing that we've gotten into before with notes. It's really notes, calendars, contacts. These are all services that email providers give you. And so you can sync them with your phone from each of those providers. So that will give you a group of contacts in, when you look in contacts that says your exchange contacts or your iPhone life contacts or your Gmail contacts. But the problem is I want those contacts in my phone for when I'm mailing. I just don't want them from when I'm calling. Can I do that? Now I'm an insider. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you can go to your contacts and you just, uh, you really, you just have to check and uncheck. But that's what I've been doing, Noah. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. what I'm doing. So no, as a default situation, I'm not sure why it would, would be yeah. switching back. So okay. I don't know the answer okay. to that question. <laughs> but my complaint really has more to do with within each of those services, uh -huh. you can create a group of people that you send to. So for example, if I want to send a message to all of the kids on the soccer team that oh, I coach, yeah, yeah, yeah. then I can create a group of all of the people that I want to send an email to, but I can't create that group on my iPhone. 
You can't create an email group oh, on your iPhone. I can create it on weird. my computer. I can send it to them on my iPhone if I've created it on my That's computer. That's right. We did a tip on this. But I cannot manage a group of people that I email to on my iPhone. This is the ninth version of the operating system, <laughs> and they still haven't figured it out, and it drives me nuts. Okay. So anyway. So Apple, hear nose cries. Please. Let him manage groups on his iPhone. <laughs> we, what you can do, and what Noah's saying, though, you can go, if you lo- I think you log into iCloud.com. We'll have the tip. We'll link to it in iPhoneLife.com slash podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Plug. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> go to iPhoneLife.com podcast, and we'll link to all the things we talk about here. There's a tip of how to manage groups from your computer that then lets you send to groups on your iPhone. And we'll, we'll tell you how to do it, but certainly yes. there's a better way. It can all be done. It can be done a bunch of different ways, but it seems like you should be able to do it with a couple clicks of your thumb. Yeah, it's weird because you can do that for text messages on your phone. You can create groups. Yeah, yeah. And that's they added that. And the thing, I think, was iOS 8 or iOS 9, they let you like opt out of group text messages. iOS 9, yeah. That was that was, awesome. that was my favorite feature of iOS yeah. 9. We haven't talked about it, mm-hmm. but getting stuck in a group message where like three people are just messaging back and forth and you have no interest in their conversation yeah. was so annoying. Yeah. Especially like sometimes you'll email one person and you're waiting to hear back from them or text, sorry. You text one person you're waiting to hear back and then like group message after group message. So you keep checking it to see if they're going to text, like to see if it was a text you're actually looking for. Yeah. Oh, so annoying. Definitely true. Okay. Moving right along. That <laughs> So if you want to ask us questions and you have us <laughs> debate them on air, we don't have to. If you don't want us to read your personal questions on air, you can let us know. But either way... Sign up for iPhone Life Insider, iphonelife.com slash insider. So before we get into our main theme, which is fitness trackers, we have a new thing here where each week we're going to try out an app and tell you about it. Um, So Donna, what app did you try out this week? I tried Sesame, which I had never heard of. I Um, haven't either. Tell us about it. Our associate editor, Rand Slay, told me about it, and it's uh, basically care package um, app it lets you send care packages to friends. Cool. And so it's really nice because you just set it up with your credit card, like create an account, and then I mean it's really easy after that. Almost maybe too easy to <laughs> pick out gift sets and send them to people. And um, it's pretty cool because I have friends in a lot of different places, and for the most part, I've kind of given up on sending gifts for birthdays or holidays or things I like thought, that. I thought you were gonna say you've given up on them. <laughs> <laughs> well, they given up on them. <laughs> they may think so because they're not yeah. getting gifts from me anymore. <laughs> but um, this, it, it, it's thoughtful. All of the presents are really cute. Um, which I know for all the guys out there, they're really excited about how cute these gifts are. So what, like what categories of presents do they have? Well, they have like for him and for her and they have, um, you know, you can sort by how expensive they are. But an example is um, Rand sent a friend a s'more making Ooh. care package. Oh. So it has all little things and it has like signs I, I that tells you. I hope that friend you. is me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they have one like if your friend is sick, it'll okay. send them like chicken soup and like things like that and then um also like little planters they had like succulents and things like that that you could send to people um bath products very cool yeah just like fun i don't know it's something fun and different i like the idea of doing that based on like the need like someone's sick or like Mm -hmm. they need a plant because they just moved in somewhere because it's like then you my concern over things like that is like you know the the corporate care the corporate type like gift packages you tend to send are like 
you're gonna get Rocky Road chocolate or like pears, but it's like, there's no thought in that. But this sounds like you can do a similar thing, but it's like more thoughtful and more personal. Yeah, I mean, you're still not gonna get as much credit as if you went and picked out stuff <laughs> yourself for a care package, but is it is it very obvious that you did not do that? It's probably all like Sesame brand and I stuff. think it's pretty obvious, um, but it's, I mean, they do it well, I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah. And uh, prices reasonable? Yeah, ranging. I mean, they had a whole section of under $30, but you could spend in their like luxury section. I was looking at stuff and I was like, oh, wait, that's $150. Never mind. <laughs> but that's nice that they, they have a section for under 30 because typically yeah. those type of things. And does that include shipping? Shipping? Um, I would have to ask Grant because she, she sent a couple of them. I just was looking through it this week so far. Oh, so your friends um, have, have actually yet to hear from you. Yeah. Oh. Oh, <laughs> I'm not as thoughtful as I'm saying I am. You, you came across as really thoughtful up until that point, Donna. We were very impressed by you. <laughs> sending things to her sick friends. Yeah. Really, um, she's like buying herself chicken soup and sending it to her sesame. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rand said it shipped in less than a week though, oh, which is cool. nice because she thought it was going to get there late for her friend's birthday and then end up coming in just a couple days. Do they have any like mechanisms built in there for like figuring out people's addresses or do you have to know their address up front? Probably? You have to know their address, okay. yeah. Clearly, I'm not a good friend. I don't know anybody's address. <laughs> it would like, be a cool feature. Like if they yeah. like if they send an email that said, oh, so-and-so wants to send you a care package, please put in your email address. It's a good point. As sort of like in the iPhone age and or more in the Facebook age where you're relying on Facebook to connect you to someone yeah. instead of keeping track of their information, it's definitely something that you lose is people's addresses. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. My mom still keeps an address book. And really? She's, and a birthday book. So she always remembers those things. That's but. funny. I, I was talking to somebody the other day. Uh, like the only phone numbers that I have memorized at this point are like my childhood friends. Like I could call my childhood friends' parents at their <laughs> home address because we didn't have cell phones. And right. those are the only phone numbers I know in the world. And of course my like parents. But like I, with cell phones, like I don't bother to learn anybody's number. Do you guys, like do you yeah. have numbers memorized anymore? I feel like someone in this office recently said they didn't know their own number. <laughs> oh, that's bad. That, that's, that's even worse. I at least know my own number. Mostly because I had it since I was a kid. But yeah. I, I know immediate family numbers. Uh, I spent the time to do that. And part of that was... I went through the process of teaching my kids, like, okay, if you're stuck in an emergency, yeah, if your phone make dies. sure that you call these numbers. And, you know, so I, I made a, a point of it being important for them to memorize them. And so I've done that as well. It is a good point. It's like, if my phone dies and there is an emergency, I, I don't like I'm calling like my childhood <laughs> friend, apparently, because I, I don't know who else I'm going to call. Our survival <laughs> skills are like just, they're, yeah, yeah, they're getting terrible. minimal. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, moving right along. <laughs> so the app I tried this week is called Over. Uh, and this is my second week trying out photography apps. So I guess I'm on a photography kick. And basically what Over lets you do is it lets you take a photo and then add text to that photo. Um, what's funny about this or ironic is last week I had uh, GIFs. I had an app, um, now I'm going to forget what it's called, Live GIF. And it turned uh, live photos into GIFs. But it, I was complaining about it that it didn't let you add text to those GIFs. So now Over lets you uh, add text to photos, but does not let you add text to GIFs as far as I can figure out so far. So still haven't found the, the perfect app for this. Mm -hmm. um, but Over is really cool. It's really easy to use. And they have a whole bunch of 
options for fonts. They just, it's been out for a long time, but the reason why I'm reviewing it to this week is they just totally redid their user interface. Really clean, really easy to use. Uh, saying add text to photos is kind of an understatement because they have a lot of really cool, interesting tech uh, fonts and things like that that really make it seem very kind of fancy. Um, so really easy to use. For the most part, I liked it. My, my complaint with it though is that I can't think of a lot of good reasons to add text to photos. Like I went and messed around with it and I was like, like the only thing I was like, I just felt like I was creating like motivational posters or something. Like I couldn't think of like a practical reason to like use the app. If you're one of those people on Facebook, it's great. Yeah, I know exactly. I could go make like motivational posters or like incorrectly quote Buddha. Exactly. <laughs> I, 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 but I, I, so really easy to use for functionality that I don't think I'm going to need very often. Like, do you guys, can you think of a functionality that you would need? Like I was like, if I was like, a musician that needed to create a CD cover, this would be a very easy way to do it. And it kind of has that like hipstery look where you look really trendy, but I don't, I don't know. What I did with it is I went and I took a photo of fall and added a fall quote, but then it felt so cheesy. And like that, I couldn't think of a way to use it that wasn't going to be cheesy. Yeah, I mean, those things are really popular though. They're not really my thing either, but I could see it's why people use over. I mean, if you, for me, when I go on Facebook, I see stuff yeah. like that all the time. It's true. We refer to Donna in our office, we refer to Donna as the cheesy police. <laughs> She's the one that never lets us do anything cheesy in the magazine uh, or, or even say it out loud. Although so I have my own cheesy ideas. I need someone else to edit. <laughs> Sometimes even the cheesy police need some fleecing. <laughs> yeah. um, how about you, Noah? Would um, I, I think it's hard because I, you know, being a, an avid Photoshop user, I, you know, my mind immediately goes to the professional tools for, mm -hmm. for all of those solutions. But, um, but I think that um, certainly a, a common use case scenario would be, you know, I think of family kids and printing photos and things of that nature. So, uh, you know, if you were preparing a photograph to print or to send to somebody or if you were making, you know, a, a holiday card or something and you wanted to apply some type of graphic or a Merry Christmas or a, you know, mm -hmm. Happy Hanukkah type of uh, scenario that you were sending to, to someone, then that's certainly an app that you could do that very quickly and have a little more creative freedom than maybe some of the standard things where you're just throwing your photograph into a pre-made thing. Holiday um, card is a good use case. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Although there are apps for that too, though. They'll yeah. then like send the holiday card for you. Uh, this is true. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> but you can make it in over and then use those apps. And, and really, yeah. as far as adding font or text to photos, over is very good. So probably you'd be better off doing what Noah said, take a photo, upload it into over, and then from there, upload it into a holiday card app. Yeah, and they really did do a huge update on this. I mean, really, the, the latest update brings a lot of new features. It brings a lot of new fonts. It brings a lot of creative potential that mm -hmm. they didn't have uh, before. And, um, and really, actually, in my opinion, they, they went in a direction that helped see a little bit more of the future potential of some of these apps. Some, some photo apps really get it right. Uh, mm -hmm. I think Snapseed falls into that yeah, category Snapseed's as well. Great. Snapseed is a really excellent photo editing app. Uh, and I think Over started going in that direction. So it was really great to see them sort of work towards the next evolution of apps. So this is the point where I'm going to, the first time I'm going to tell you to email us. And hopefully you guys are, are now used to emailing us. But podcast at iphonelife.com. Let us know, are you using Over? And what are you using it for? I'd love to hear from you, see 
what what use cases are out there that we're not thinking of. Noah, what was your what was your app of the week? So <clears throat> I decided to go towards the business end and get uh, Crossy Road. Clearly, very important <laughs> for all business uses. When, when right. Noah told us, when I was, I was, I went around and reminded him to test it yesterday. He's like, "So you seriously want me to be playing a game right now for work?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> um, so I, I actually I downloaded Crossy Road. Uh, I was inspired by the Apple TV announcement, and I had Apple TV on the mind, thinking about the pre-order that happened this week. This week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was thinking about the demo of Crossy Road and thought, oh, that sounds, looked like it was a fun app. I thought I'd try it out. I think it's a very popular app, so many of you probably already have it. Um, and it, indeed, it is, a, it is a lot of fun. I was a huge fan of, of Frogger as a kid uh, going to the arcade and playing mm-hmm. that game. Um, and so it brought back some memories and certainly, uh, certainly has a lot of charm to it. And it does a good job of creating continued motivation uh, that said, I do think the app has some limits in terms of attention span, at least for me. I found myself using it for a short period of time, but not necessarily a long period of time. It, it sort of like uh, created a little too much self-frustration, you know. <laughs> Can you play it with friends? Because I used to play Frogger growing up, and we would have like a pack of friends that would get together and have these battles for hours yes and that was what was fun on about the it. apple tv you can so you can each have a remote and you can have these battles and, and uh, go across yeah so okay so basically kind of modern day frogger is the idea yeah and with a lot more characters mm-hmm. and each character has some different surroundings and scenarios and, and challenges so there's a lot of charm the you know kudos to the creative director of this project uh, they approached it much the same way. The graphic style is much sort of like a Minecraft type of style, very uh-huh. blocky style. Uh-huh. Uh, but that said, within that context, they made a very charming uh, interface mm-hmm. uh, that you really uh, appreciate. And for if there is somebody in this world who has not heard of Frogger, what is, what, what's Frogger? What, what right. is this style of game <laughs> that we're talking about? Uh, basically, you're a character and you try to get... Um, you, you essentially move forward, sideways, you know, uh, left, right, or back, uh, but you're mostly trying to move forward, and you try to go as far forward as you possibly can, um, and in order to do so, you have to cross the streets, uh, of which cars may hit you, you have to cross train tracks, the trains come by very fast, and they give you a little warning, um, like rivers, yeah, you have to cross. rivers. You have to jump on logs. So there's different types of obstacles that that you have to go across, and uh, and each one has its own, you know, variation of a of a peril that that you can die on. Okay. Man, this is making me miss Frogger. <laughs> it's a great game. One time, random tangent. I was in, in in Vietnam. They have these huge roads where they don't have crosswalks, and the way you're supposed to cross these roads is you walk very steadily. And you like make eye contact with everybody's on a moped so they can like swerve around you and you make eye contact with them. It was like playing real life Frogger. It was amazing. I was like, I have prepared for this moment. I got this. Just kind of confidently marched out in the road. I'm like, okay, I got this. That sounds terrifying. It was really, it was really scary. But you know, it was like Frogger. So that, that was a perk of it. 
Uh, real quick, we got a few news items to get through before we get to our main topic. We covered most of these last week, so we'll get through them quickly. iOS 9.1 came out this week. Mm -hmm. You guys updated to 9.1? I have. I have not. Ooh. Noah, what are you doing? Noah's our, like, slow adopter here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, sometimes this kinks. I like to wait a little bit, you know? I don't want it to get in the way, but... Yeah, that's, that's exactly what a slow adopter does. <laughs> <laughs> what that's I really right. like, first of all, about iOS 9 now is the updates, there's like a button that says like, update tonight. Cause it's like, right. it us usually it pops up in the morning when they push this update out and you're getting ready for work, you don't want to update it. Uh, and then you'd forget by the next day. So now you can say, okay, update tonight when it's charging and it'll update and you wake up in the morning. That, that was nice. Donna, what's your impression so far of 9.1? I mean, it's a pretty it's a pretty small update in that in terms of the outward things, um, the new emojis is probably the most mm -hmm. noticeable. Have you, which... have you flicked anybody off yet? No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe uh, actually check your phone right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> have you sent a unicorn yet? No, I actually haven't used that many of them okay. yet. But um, but in general, I use emojis a lot, so. I think that'll be fun. There's like burritos, tacos. What else is there? There's yeah. There's unicorns. There's burritos. There's tacos. There's smiley faces doing all sorts of things like rolling their eyes and clapping. Uh, so they oh, there's a little nerd one with glasses. Yeah, there's a nerdy one. So if you use if you use emoticons, it's definitely a nice emoticon improvement. But the problem with it is, you can only send it to other people who have i who have iPhones and who have iOS 9.1, right? Yeah, for me this wasn't that exciting because I use the beta program, so I had the, oh, those emojis okay. for a long time. Okay. So I was sending people all the mostly the different smiley faces, the new ones, and then they're just seeing blocks on their phone. Yeah, you know <laughs> what? I've got I definitely got text messages with you as blocks. Now I'm wondering, were you just flicking me off? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one like thought I was funny or said anything back. <laughs> Hello, people. And that that's what's been holding me back from flicking people off this week too, is I, I don't know if they're really gonna get it and so I wanna convey it in a way that they're gonna understand. Yeah. <laughs> the other update though, um, that I think is cool is to live photos. Mm -hmm. Now, usually, I don't know for any of you listening, if you've used live photos, it records a second and a half before and after you snap a shot. So a lot of times you'll move your camera and, you know, like point your phone downward and it'll catch that in the live photo, which mm -hmm. isn't very cool. So now it has a correction for that and it will stop recording before you swerve your phone away. That definitely happened to me every time. Like I would always take a photo and the live photo would be like someone smiling and then the ground and then my pocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it really like, I, it defeated the whole purpose of a live photo. So uh, that's yeah. cool that they kind of built in a fix for that. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. Uh, the other big news, Apple TV. Have you guys, is pre-order starts this week, comes out next week? Have you guys yeah. pre-ordered yet? Are you going to get it? No. Yeah, pre-order started yesterday. <clears throat> I'm definitely planning on getting the new Apple TV, but for some reason I really don't feel urgent about like, oh, I need to order it now. Yeah, I don't feel that urgent either, but I, I, I was planning on, uh, on ordering on Monday and now I'm ordering Tuesday. It's part of the problem. I think I said this last podcast. I'm I'm demanding it as a gift for the holidays, uh, which means now I have to like demand that they go pre-order it because I really want it sooner rather than later. Um, you said you're also getting it for the holidays, Donna? Yeah. Well, I was thinking it makes a good gift. My dad's really into uh, Apple products. So I was thinking to get one for him, but I also want one. So I haven't totally strategized about that. Get two. <laughs> Tell him to get one for me. And <laughs> yeah, I'll there get you one go. Exactly. <laughs> so but. thoughtful. And I'm planning on just getting the 32 gigabyte one. Me too. I really can't. Like, it, I 
I think we talked about the last podcast. I can't think of a really good reason why you need a lot of memory. If you had a ton of apps and they're all photo apps or something, then yes. But mm. I, I don't know. No, I'm disagreeing with you. Oh, really? why, how yeah. come? For some future proofing, because really it's about you know app storage. I mean, you can you're going to run out of space in in your apps, and what apps do you want, and what are those apps going to do? I I don't know. To me, it seems I, I blow through my my memory so quickly on my phone. I do too, I but like. The the Apple TV now has almost no memory, and I understand that now that you can download apps, there's more purposes for memory. But like, really, it seems like on your TV, the way to do it is to store a lot of stuff in the cloud. Yeah, it yeah. does demonstrate that it's going to be different because I was like, why would you need a 64 gigabyte yeah. Apple TV? And I'm like, oh wait, it's having the app store. So, you know, I guess you could use that fast. So yeah. what what is the price difference? So we know it's 150 for the 32 gigabyte, and it's 200. For the sixty-four gigabyte, yeah, so and I also just like bucks. I like that. Oh, Apple sorry, TV. Next I know I, I said that wrong. I, know. <laughs> I like that the Apple TV is like a lower-priced item. Yeah. Somehow, I just don't want to spend two hundred dollars on an Apple TV. Yeah, I think that's part of my thinking too. Is like one hundred and fifty. I can like rationalize as like because I have an Apple TV now, and like if somebody asked me like to name all the things that were better, like I don't know that it would justify it. If we did a debate, maybe we should do a debate. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, but I just want one. But for 150, I can kind of like rationalize it. For 200, it's getting into a price point where like it would need to be really. Be- it is a lot better. What do you guys think? Is it way better? I it- think being able to look up like if you have a favorite actor or you want to watch an 80s movie but you don't know what and you just use voice control to be like show me movies from the 80s or you know things like that. Um, I think I would use that a lot because a lot of times for me, I don't know what I want to watch. Yeah. yeah. When I, I, I want to watch a movie and I'm like, oh, I'm in the mood for a comedy, things like that. <clears throat> but it sucks just scrolling through forever. So that's that to me is why I'm getting it. But the voice control I mean, it's not like good. essential. I yeah. really like my Apple TV now. It seems like, but there's enough of things like that. Like the unified search seems really valuable. Yeah. I've, I've been watching Peaky Blinders. Have you guys watched Peaky Blinders? No. It's on, I have. It's on Netflix. <laughs> Go check it out. It's really good. Uh, but it takes place in England, so it's like British. And I found myself like constantly being like, what did they say? And I was like, God, I wish I had the new Apple TV so I could literally just be like, what did they say? And it would go back and tell me. Remind me to never watch TV with you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You're one of those people you can't talk during TV shows. Well, I just feel like with the the new Apple TV, it'll be so much worse because anybody says that, you can then rewind and play it again. And I'm totally going to be doing like, what movie was that person in? Like all the time. I'm a really annoying person to watch TV for. I talk the whole time. I like guess how it's going to end. You're the worst, David. I know. I'm the worst. I'm sorry. I'll remind you later when we go see the Steve Jobs movie. Where Our company is going to see the Steve Jobs movie together. That's right. And so next podcast, tune in. We'll give you a review of the Steve Jobs movie. And we're all going to dress up like Steve Jobs to go. <laughs> yeah, we So we'll, 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 maybe we'll post a picture of this on, on podcast, iphonelife.com slash podcast. I think it's better. Um, okay. Um, I think that's it for news. Anything else to pipe in about Apple TV or otherwise before we get into the main topic here? No, well, the only thing with iOS 9.1 that we didn't mention was that um, it has built-in support for the new Apple TV. Oh, that's um, true. And so there, there were a couple behind the scenes changes to iOS 9.1 that you might not notice. But will once you get your new Apple TV. Yeah, so that's cool. That's very cool. I've been wondering this because it's like the motion sensor on the Apple TV remote, and I'm wondering how that's going to translate 
to like if I want to because right now honestly I lose my remote on my Apple TV like every day so I usually just use my Apple watch to like navigate it and I'm wondering with the motions like how that's going to work and whether it'll have a motion sensor and all that stuff it's a yeah. good question. You know, I've I've often wanted the uh, the remote app on the on the iPhone to be updated because yeah, it it's seems, really bad, isn't it? Yeah, it's like it's 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 great that it's there, but it's not very um, it's not very user friendly. Mm-hmm. If you want to see what's what you're actually playing, I mean, it, just the navigation of the whole thing. It's it's a uh, it's an underpowered app for really what it could be. So yeah. I, I'm really hoping that that an update for that or a completely new app to replace it. Uh, comes out with the new Apple TV because it would be a huge benefit. What I've been pushing for on that, and we we were a lot of tangents here, so we're not going to have a lot of time to talk about mm-hmm. fitness trackers. But what are you going to do? Um, what I've been hoping for is like how they have on the Apple Watch, where you can control where the app interface is from your Apple Watch app. I wish they did that because like controlling apps on the Apple TV is a hassle. I mean, you can do it, but it's kind of annoying, and they keep adding more and more apps that I'm never going to use, and I would love to be able to just do it from an app. So the remote app would be perfect for that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Fitness trackers. So Donna, tell us you're writing an article. Actually, this is the appropriate moment to pause because I have been reminded now that I rarely talk about the magazine. So I'm going to take a minute and tell you guys that we have a magazine. We are iPhone Life Magazine. That is our name, and we mean it. (laughs) So we are a print and digital publication. We're actually the biggest publication in the world focusing on iPhone and iPad. So you can find us in Barnes & Noble. You can find us in major airports um, all over the world. We're in over 60 countries. And you can subscribe to our magazine, print and digitally. Go to iphonelife.com slash subscribe to subscribe. And Donna's editor-in-chief of said magazine. So tell us about tell us about this, Donna. What article are you working on here? So this is a project I've been working on for a while. Um, ever since I got the Apple Watch, I had interest suddenly in fitness tracking. Mm-hmm. Before that, I never had bought a, a Fitbit or anything like that. And I just started getting – I was curious how the Apple Watch stacked up to the competition in terms of fitness tracking. So I had some review units sent to me. I've been wearing the Fitbit Surge and the Polar A300. So the Fitbit Surge is the higher-end Fitbit watch, mm-hmm. and or it's not a watch, um, but it has GPS, and it's, it's definitely a little bulky, but it, it, it's the most full-featured. Um, the Polar is it's a chest strap heart rate monitor that pairs with a watch that you wear. Um, and so I got that because chest straps are kind of known to be the most accurate at, at, um, measuring your heart rate. And so I wanted to have that as a benchmark. Um, so I've been wearing the three of these fitness trackers around to compare their features. And then I also have just been exploring what really is the purpose of tracking your fitness. Um, I know it's really trendy right now, but are people really seeing a benefit from it? Um, and since it's also a somewhat new market, are um, like, is it mature? Is it useful? And where is it going in the future? So that's what I've been working on. Great. So full disclosure here, I have an Apple Watch. Donna has an Apple Watch. Noah, who's our now token late adopter, (laughs) shaming him on air, does not have an Apple Watch. Um, And I've also used Fitbit from time to time. So Noah's going to moderate this conversation 
and he'll, I'm sure, have plenty to say as well, but <laughs> <laughs> just introducing Noah as our moderator. All right. So as the late adopter, my first question is this. What is the core point of a fitness tracker? Give us like the core value statement of why are you using it? Well, pedometers have been around for a long time, and that used to be people would just use those to track how many steps they were taking, and then they could create goals, like I want to walk 10,000 steps in a day, or I want to walk 5,000 steps in a day. Um, Today, fitness trackers mainly track your steps and also your heart rate and distance. Um, Some don't track distance. But um, so it's using those metrics to get an overall picture of how active you are and hopefully to encourage you to be more active. All right. Sounds good. And from a, from a like usability standpoint, and maybe you'll get into this more with each individual tracker, but do you find that these devices accurately give you a picture of that? Or do you find that it gives you a picture that's accurate only during certain portions of the day and other portions of the day? Uh, It's just incomplete information. I think that it gives you an accurate look at how active you've been. I mean, not completely accurate, but accurate enough that it can help you in that way. But it doesn't give you a whole lot of context, like how you're changing over time. And overall, like you can set goals for yourself, but it doesn't tell you whether those goals are really right for you or not. Like with the Apple Watch, for instance, I can set a really low goal for myself and I'm hitting my goals all the time. Yay. But really, like, you know, I could be totally underachieving. And so there are things like that, that it it doesn't really, it might artificially give me a feeling of success. <laughs> I have to say, I've been underwhelmed by the accuracy of these things. Uh, on Sunday, really? I, sat, I sat around and I watched football the entire day. Didn't exercise at all. And about four o'clock, I got a notification congratulating me for having gotten my 30 minutes of exercise in. <laughs> I was like, I've been watching 30 minutes of exercise. That's um, crazy, really? That, and that was a fluke. I, that I think that the question happens. is, how excited were you <laughs> while watching the football game? Because honestly, if your heart rate was up high enough, if you were that excited with lots of arm waving, Maybe it uh, was accurate. It's possible. <laughs> the Steelers were losing. I had my terrible towel out, and I was waving it and yelling at the TV. So maybe that was my exercise. <laughs> so, That's hilarious. Okay, maybe, maybe it's, it's an accurate. insight. Okay. Now, uh, but if your heart, this is a good question, because it does seem to kind of quantify exercise as heart rate. It's like if your heart rate goes up, it thinks you're exercising. Is that, I wonder if that's true. Like, I Um, wonder. Your heart's a muscle. If it's beating more, it's using more energy. So, like, it's this equivalent cardio. If my heart rate gets up for any reason, then, like, if I'm yelling at my TV and angry at at the Steelers, that's exercise? This is what we're getting (laughs) at. It's definitely limited. (laughs) This is what I'd like to know. That's right. Can I count that as exercise? Yeah, I feel like people who wear fitness trackers start getting a little bit like ridiculous in certain ways and be like waving their arms around like, gotta reach my 10,000. Yeah, exactly. So there, but, it does seem like there is a way to hack it, which isn't yeah. ideal. But for the most part, it's, it's, yeah. I found it to be pretty accurate. So I spoke with a, um, a biometrics researcher, a professor of kinesiology, and a CrossFit trainer to get an idea of, of these things. And the biometrics researcher was telling me that Really, all the companies are still focusing on accuracy. They haven't gone to that next step of giving you context and goals and kind of like an evolving picture of your health. 
So that, like, that's the part that kind of frustrates me. But what you're saying, and I think is still a big concern, is the accuracy itself. It's, like, not completely there yet. Mm-hmm. And testing the three against each other, I did find that, you know, they did vary quite a bit. Um, the step tracking between the Apple Watch, the Fitbit, and the Polar, um, the Fitbit and the Apple Watch were exactly the same. They were, like, two steps apart. Um, for one day, but the the polar was like two thousand steps lower. Oh wow! Yeah, but the polar is their emphasis is on heart rate. Yeah, right? so it's in a way not that surprising. And then heart rate, I found that the Apple Watch and the polar were pretty well matched up, except for that the Apple Watch had a few like fluke, really high readings. Mm-hmm. So it just seems like it has misreadings once in a while. David helped me put together a spreadsheet on this. It was <laughs> it, one of the things I will say is there aren't as many tools as you would think to analyze your heart rate uh, because it's measuring it all the time. And then when we went back and looked at the data, it wasn't easy to figure out like different trends from that. Like that would be something that I would love for Apple to see Apple do better is like, for example, give me different trends while I'm working out about my heart rate or use that information. Like you're saying to give you more context than they are, because we really had to pick, we had to go into like research kit data and then like do all sorts of fancy spreadsheet tricks to get it to even tell us anything useful. Yeah, and once we did that, um, it, it the Polar seemed the most accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, the Apple Watch had a few misreadings, and the Fitbit was okay, but it was just a little bit off the whole time. So my conclusion from that is if you just want to track your heart rate, if that's really important to you, then it's worth it to do the chest strap and have accurate readings the whole time. But the Apple Watch, I think, is the best overall fitness tracker because it does well with steps and it does well with um, your heart rate, although you just shouldn't panic if you get a really <laughs> extremely high reading once in a while and you're like, wait a second, why why is my heart rate at 200 right now? I haven't been doing anything. I will say with the heart rate, it does seem like on the Apple Watch, it needs to be very tight. And in general, mm-hmm. I don't tend to keep my Apple Watch, I, I like it's a little bit loose on my wrist and so it, it's a problem when I'm exercising. Like yesterday, I, w- I was at the gym and I looked at my heart rate and it told me it was 53. And I was like, there is no way. And it's because it was like, and it did like, you know how it does like the grayed out thing when it can't really read your heart rate. Mm-hmm. So I was doing that. And it, it's because it, it seems to be accurate if you do get a really snug fit, but you have to get a really snug fit in and order that's to do tr- it. And that's true of all of them. Yeah, I would imagine it's a universal problem. But I... I I, I've had that be a problem for me when I'm exercising because I really actually like wearing a, a fitness tracker while I'm exercising tells me my heart rate. Um, but then sometimes mm-hmm. it isn't giving me information because I can't read it. Yeah. I, I think just from a, from a technical standpoint and accuracy of data, really I think the the future of all of these devices is multiple points of reference. Yeah. And you're really not going to get accurate data until you have these devices connecting with each other uh, in a couple of locations uh, and creating those readings. And, mm-hmm. and if they can ca- cross-reference each other, then I think you're going to get a much more accurate picture. Well, but that's what the Polar does. But the problem <clears throat> is nobody wants to wear a chest strap all day, you right. know? And so it's like you really, in an ideal world, you have multiple points of reference, but the reality is you don't want to go through the trouble to do that. Yeah, I was going to say, my next point was that the Apple Watch is the only is the only one out of the ones I tried that I want to wear all day. Because it has other value as well, but it's also like I don't find it the way it looks offensive. <laughs> I mean, the Fitbit surge is really clunky, and it, it, it like it sits off your wrist probably like an inch. Mm-hmm. And um, the Polar, yeah, I'm not going to wear a chest strap around. 
when I'm going to the gym, I don't mind wearing them at all. So I could see that as being something I would do then. But what's weird about these products is they're marketed even more than the Apple Watch to be worn 24 hours a day because they have sleep tracking. Mm, so, right. And there's no way I'm going to wear this huge watch on my wrist at night. Well, I will say, though, one of the things you were saying to me was it might have been an unfair comparison to use the Fitbit Surge. Yeah. I have a lot of friends who have the regular Fitbit, and it's it's really slim and small, and it doesn't even have anything on the screen, which some people like. It's like just wearing a small bracelet. And the, the Fitbit app is really good. I did enjoy that. And mm-hmm. it has a food a food tracker in there. So if you want to track your calorie intake and then how many calories you've burned, it's easier to do that than with Apple Watch. Um, and so, and you said you had a Fitbit that was smaller. So. I did. Um, had being the operative word there because I lost it. I've now lost two Fitbits because that's like, I got the Fitbit that doesn't strap onto your wrist, which in retrospect, don't do that. Uh, get <laughs> one that straps onto your wrist because I lost two of them. They were like hooked onto my belt and they just fell off. Um, but yeah, it was, it serves a different purpose in the Apple Watch. Uh, on the Apple Watch, you know, I use my watch for any number of things, fitness being one of them. Whereas if you only care about fitness and you don't care about any of the other notification functionality there, uh, the Fitbit was fine. It told me how many steps I took. It told me how many stairs I climbed, which the Apple Watch doesn't do actually. So I liked it, but I love my Apple Watch. Well, if you go into the health app on your your, watch, phone it does tell me how, how oh, many really? flights of steps you've okay. climbed but that's another weird thing there's the health app which will tell you certain things from your apple watch metrics and then the activity app mm. on your phone which will tell you other things weird. so yeah i don't find weird. that to be the best but um oh go ahead so we've talked about three different devices the apple watch the fitbit and the polar what are some of the other tracking devices that that you've come across i feel like we're like in a political debate and don and i are just going way over our time and noah's <laughs> desperately trying to like reel us back in on track go ahead Donna. Yeah, somebody's been watching the debates yeah um, uh, some of the other ones jawbone is popular Fitbit is the uh, most popular fitness band. And now it's interesting because smartwatches are cutting into the fitness band market. So there's the Apple Watch and then there's plenty of Android smartwatches too that also do fitness tracking. But some of the most popular brands, Fitbit, um, have I said Fitbit yet? (laughs) Jawbone, (laughs) uh, Garmin, Withings has a really nice looking... I was just going to say, Withings of the trackers... It's classy it, looking. It, it's a, it's so it's a watch that uses a watch battery and yet it syncs with your phone via Bluetooth and tracks like a Fitbit does. So and it, it's like a Swiss made, right? Isn't it? It's, it's really, a nice yeah. looking watch. And they it have a, they have a, a nice really product. nice looking watch that's expensive and they have a mo- slightly less looking nice looking watch that's reasonably priced. I like I, I no I haven't tested it yet in terms of accuracy and their app and all that, but in terms of looks, certainly I would much rather wear that than a Fitbit. Yeah, definitely And those are true. on like the $100 range. The problem with it though, yeah, $100 range. The problem with it is because it uses a watch battery, it's nice because you don't have to charge it every night. Fitbits you charge maybe, what What did you find, like once a week or something? Yeah, up to seven days. Okay. Uh, so you don't have to do that, but like once every nine months, you have to like take it to a watch store or figure out how to change a watch battery, which is a pain. But overall, that sounds so nice that you can, you can wait nine months before having to do that. Yeah, it's nice, except for if you're anything like me, then you wait nine more months until you bother to get it fixed. That's true. <laughs> and the cheapest, if you're looking just to kind of test out fitness trackers, Misfit has one that's $24, and it's, um, 
It does step tracking, sleep tracking. It had a surprising amount of features, but it's kind of ugly. Yeah. We had one in office. Do you remember what people thought about it? Yeah. Sarah wore it for a while. And I think, I mean, she was kind of like, meh about it. But for 24 bucks, (laughs) meh isn't that bad. Yeah. So overall, after all this research, after all of the um, different trackers that you've come in contact with, what's your assessment? What's the best? What's your advice for people? My assessment is that it's a really great way. Getting a fitness tracker forces you to kind of become literate in certain health metrics. You learn about, for me, like about calories, about steps, about heart rate. Like I didn't even know what the healthy range for any of those things was. And so I learned that um, by getting one. That being said, I think that there's a recent um, study of Fitbit users and 65% or more than 60% of users after six months just throw their Fitbit in a drawer. And my assessment would be that that is what, that's kind of where fit, fitness trackers are right now. In, in a drawer somewhere? <laughs> yeah, they're in a drawer somewhere. I think that it's it's a helpful, it's kind of educational tool to teach you about and you learn some things about yourself because usually your own recall isn't that good in terms of what you've been doing. Um, I think that it needs to go to the next level in order for it to be something you want to use over time. And I think if it had an evolving like you're always learning something new about yourself over time, then you would continue to want to use it. Because right now, you you know what it's like to walk 10,000 steps after you've used it for a little bit, and you don't really feel like you need to continue to go ahead and like track that walk mm-hmm. you took when you, are, you already know. In, right. in general, though, I will say that's one of the things that's really nice about smartwatches is – you have a million reasons to wear them other than fitness. So you remember to wear it and then you're still tracking your fitness and it's still reminding you about things. Because yeah, my, my Fitbit ended up in a drawer somewhere too and then eventually I lost it. But uh, and so it's, I agree, fitness trackers, you're more likely to get bored of than you are a smartwatch. Yeah, so that's my takeaway is the Apple Watch is the best. The Apple Watch I've continued to wear, the Fitbit and the Polar, I haven't. Although I do think that if you're someone who's really interested in learning those metrics, you might want to want to try it, and it might be worth it, even if it is. It might not necessarily be a failure to not wear it forever. Mm-hmm. Is right. kind of what it. Right. My my question to you, Donna, is: Did you find did you find it motivated you? Like, did did it change your behavior in a positive way by wearing these? At first, yes, and then after a while, it didn't really make a difference. I mean, I, I have, I am more active overall um, than I used to be. And I think with the Apple Watch, it's like you always want to get credit for the activity you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll definitely check in mm-hmm. with that and feel good when I've achieved my goals. But I think the, there have been enough little frustrations that sometimes I won't even track a workout when I go anymore because it's just, it's just a bit of a pain still. Mm-hmm. Like, I just feel like it's not quite there yet. Um but but it's still, because there are other uses for the Apple Watch, I still want to wear the Apple Watch. Yeah. And in general, so. I, I agree. I like having the fitness tracking ability on my Apple Watch. I don't know that it's changed my behavior. And I think it, it leads to the bigger point, which is kind of the point you were starting with, is like fitness and in general changing habits is a difficult thing. And I don't think that a fitness tracker... Like people kind of every year around this time or the new year get a fitness tracker and think now they're going to be fit. And it's 
you kind of have to work at it the other way around. You have to set up a system that's going to change your habits and a fitness tracker can be part of that. But I, I, if you, it's, it's, it's only a part of it and it didn't change my habits alone. I mean, I've yeah. now I am more active than I was, but it's, I don't really credit that to the fitness tracker. It's cause I just kind of I wonder, got in, got around to it. I wonder though, if we should give some credit to the fitness tracker. Cause when I'm thinking about it, um, it's like, I kind of learned what it looks like to be active how many times I really mm-hmm. need to work out That's a week. True. And now I've built into my day, I go on a like 10 minute, 10 to 15 minute afternoon walk at work, which David has said is okay. <laughs> but, I encourage you know, it. <laughs> yeah, it, you're supposed to get up every hour and move around the office. I do that more. I've kind of built some things into my routine now. But um, but yeah, in terms of like goal setting, I never really got around to doing that. And I want my, I want my fitness tracker to do that for me. I want that, like, more help setting up goals and achieving them, I guess. I guess it's true. We are both now saying we, we aren't, tr- we are both more active than we were. So I guess point the mission was accomplished either way. And it's hard to know what to attribute that to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is, I, I think my, my general take on this personally mm-hmm. is that until you in, until you really encompass your intake as well as your outtake, then the the ability for these trackers to predict something for you or to suggest something for you is going to be very limited uh, because you really have to be identifying what's going in your body. And, and these trackers are really much more about tracking what's going out of your body as, as your energy is lost and, and, and whatnot. Um, and really, the I think the golden age of this type of tracking system is when you can I, uh, automatically identify things that are both going in your body and out of your body uh, and then you can really have a much more holistic recommendation for it, someone. It's a really good point. And the research as far as weight loss goes shows that intake is much more important than output. Uh, you can exercise all you want, but mm-hmm. if you're not eating well, you're not going to lose weight is the research. Um, that was something I didn't know. Like, I feel like in terms of fitness, I've not been the most educated about it. Like doing the research here, really working out doesn't affect losing weight okay, hardly so yeah, at I, all I, I disagree i've certainly seen those studies i disagree with them i think they they're they're taking the research which is showing that it's more important to watch what you eat and then trying to have a sensationalized like clickbait title but i i, mm, I think exercise is more about health okay. i think you're going to be healthier it's going to change like the way your body feels and looks in some ways but i don't I mean, you can exercise and burn, what, like 200 calories and you eat a cookie and that's a race. Yeah, no, it's definitely true. It's definitely true. Even after you just totally, you know. (laughs) And so many people do that. They're like, oh, I just worked out. I can eat this. And it's like, oh, that math did not work out. (laughs) Yeah, and that was something I didn't realize. I thought that you could work out and then that would mean you could eat whatever you want way more than you were before. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the kind of catch with working out is because you're hungrier. And the the problem is, is... Input is harder. It's a lot harder. Nothing's quite doing it right. And it's particularly hard because you it's easy to do input on unhealthy foods. Like you can scan the labels of all the prepackaged yes, stuff. true. But like if you want to go and you go to the farmer's market and you get a bunch of fresh veggies, which is going to be much healthier for you, it's like it's harder to track. You need like a camera that recognizes it or you need to input it and you need to like weigh how many like carrots you're eating and it's hard. 
I also think it just makes you a really not fun person. Like <laughs> with fitness tracking, you can just wear it and you're fine. But if you're always that person at the meal, like typing it, I had two tablespoons of mayo. It's like, who wants to do that? Well, it's not fun for you to do too. It's like, I, I want to, if I'm cooking them, I'm like, have the stove on and throwing a bunch of stuff in there. Like there, at no point in that process am I taking the moment to like log what I just threw in the pot, you know? I got excited because two years ago, there was a fitness tracker that's supposed to do that. Um, and it's supposed to be able to tell something about measuring your blood, what you're eating. But mm. I think it hasn't come out, and I think that's still a long ways off. All right. Well, we've been on a lot of tangents today, and I think we had a little bit of a longer podcast than we usually do. So thank you to our listeners that stuck it out with us. <laughs> um, let me, let's wrap it up, but just a few things before we go. First of all, iPhoneLife.com slash daily tip to get a free daily tip. iPhoneLife.com slash insider to subscribe to The Insider. Email us questions, comments. We'll read them if you want us to on air. We'll read them anyway. Uh, so that's iPhone Life. Sorry, that's podcast at iphonelife.com. And finally, please subscribe to this podcast. Uh, so go into iTunes Store and subscribe to this podcast. And iphonelife.com slash subscribe to subscribe to our magazine. Uh, any Anything I'm missing in that little list? No, I think that's a great summary, David. Okay, well, (laughs) (laughs) got now a lot of pieces to keep track of in my head. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Uh, And tune in next week. We're going to be talking about the Steve Jobs movie, and we'll test out some apps and have some fun. Thanks, everyone. All right, thank you.